Thank you, Christian. Take your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter number 22. Matthew chapter number 22, if you have your uh, Bibles this morning. Today we are continuing our series of messages on uh, Sundays can change, or excuse me, Sundays are the best days of the week. I love Sundays, and today I want to speak to you on the subject of Sundays can change your eternity. Sundays can change your eternity. I I was looking, and uh, I'm amazed at the fact that we are actually almost uh, finished with this series of messages, and that next Sunday is the last Sunday in October. Take a deep breath. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm overwhelmed at the fact that, uh, it is, it is almost time for all of the holidays to begin and, and, and things to happen. And, and we're excited about the things that are uh, going to be taking place here at North Point. And, uh, I'm excited about our Christmas season and all the things that we're going to be doing. And I pray that you'll be a part of all of those. But today, uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter number 22 and the idea that Sundays can change your eternity. As I've done every week, I've been proposing to you uh, that Sunday was meant to be the best day of the week, the very best day of the week. Today is supposed to be the day that, that we wake up and we're just excited about that it's Sunday and we're excited about uh, going and, and being in God's house and worshiping the Lord and, and uh, seeing the people of God and, and, and wanting to be there. It should not be a day uh, uh, that we dread or, or, or that we uh, uh, plan other things and do other things. It's a day that we come, that we set aside to worship the Lord. Sunday, Henry uh, Wadsworth Longfellow said it this way, Sunday is the golden clasp that binds together the volume of the week. And I, I think that's a great thought. Sunday is the golden clasp that binds together the volume of the week. We've, we've had a lot of stuff going on this week, and, and, and a lot of you are faced with a lot of pressures and a lot of stress, as we talked about last week, and, and you're, you're dealing with things in your life, and, and Sunday's a day that it kind of all culminates, it kind of all uh, uh, wraps up, and God can begin to work and speak to you and help you uh, to be able to face another week. And so it, it's literally that golden class. Someone once said, the city takes a breath on Sunday of all that's lost with the pursuit of what's next. I hope we don't lose that. And you know what? I think in our societies we've been talking about, we're losing that. We're losing that importance of Sunday and worshiping. And so once again today, I want to tell you that I believe that Sunday should be the best day of the week. Today our goal is to discover that there is love, there is a love that goes beyond every boundary and that I have access to that love. Also, I have a responsibility because of that love. I believe with all my heart that when Jesus Christ went to Calvary some 2,000 plus years ago, when he died on that cross, he died on that cross knowing that in 2015, on this October day, that you would be sitting here understanding the fact that there is a love that goes beyond boundaries. There's two greatest needs that every individual has, and that is to be loved and to be accepted. And can I tell you this morning, no matter what circumstances you're in, no matter where you came from today, no matter what family situations that you've been approached with today or yesterday, there is someone that loves you beyond anything that you could ever imagine in your life. And because of that love, we have a responsibility to that Love. The scribes and the Pharisees had questioned Jesus in Matthew chapter number 22. And I love what the Bible says. We'll read it in just a moment. He put them to silence. 
They were questioning him. He asked, then, then a lawyer comes and questions him and asks him this question. What is the greatest commandment? You see, besides the Ten Commandments, the Jewish uh, uh, teachings or teachers had set up 600 other commandments. And so they were trying to, to trip up Jesus. They were trying to uh, help him or, or, or in, in, encourage him or influence him to make a mistake. So somebody said to him, tell us what the greatest commandment of the law is. They were trying to make Christ look ridiculous. But I wish with all my heart I could have been there that day when Jesus Christ said what he said and proclaimed what he said in Matthew chapter number 22, starting in verse number 34. If you have your Bibles, if you'll stand with me, let's read it together. Matthew chapter number 22, starting in verse number 34. This is what he said. You, you know the passage, but it, it's just a, an amazing thought when you put it all together. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silent, they gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy hearts, And with all thy soul and with all thy mind, this is the first and great commandment. And the second, like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So he said, let let me explain something to you. The greatest commandment is that you love the Lord thy God. And the second one is likened to the first, that you love your neighbor. Now I'm going to tell you something. In this passage of scripture, the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and certainly the lawyer went, excuse me, to love the Lord is my greatest commandment. And then I'm supposed to love everyone around me. That's the second one. Something doesn't make sense. And in our message today, I want to share with you why it all makes sense. Because without the love of Jesus Christ, we would have nothing else. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Lord, we love you. I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. I pray pray that you'll bless the few moments that we have together. Lord, I pray that you'll help me this morning as I'm very uh, uh, overwhelmed and burdened with the message that you have placed upon my heart today. And I pray that it's, 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 it's relayed in such a way that uh, the hearers today will understand. And Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God would walk up every chasm and every uh, chair in this room and, and every aisle in this place. And Lord, touch every heart and every life. God, I, I want to be different today. I want to be changed today because of the things that we hear and understand from the Holy Spirit of God. And so today, that's our prayer. Lord, we love you. But most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of taking notes, there's an outline on the back of your bulletin and you can uh, gravitate to that. Love will provide for every need man has. Therefore, love is the greatest commandment. Love will provide for every need that man has. And so that is why it is the great commandment. Every morning in the Old Testament era, the Jewish people would quote Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verses number 4 and 5 where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. 
and with all thy might. If you've got your priorities in order when it comes to love and when it comes to who loves you and how you should love, then everything else is going to line up. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. I want you to notice something because I never think that the word of God makes a mistake in the way that it writes and the way that it, it, it is portrayed to us. The word of God could have said this, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might, which is what it says. He could have said with all thine heart, soul, and might. But no, he wanted to make sure that we understood that this is a, 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 a moment that we love the Lord with everything that is within us and everything that, that we have that is associated with us, that we love God with every part of our being. The great commandment is the commandment to love. And if we do not love the Lord with all our hearts, we will not obey the commandments in which that he's given to us. I love what Benjamin Franklin said, how many observe Christ's birthday and how many few his precepts? And boy, I think that is a, a pivotal launching statement right there. How many observe the idea of Christmas, but how many actually observe his precepts? Number one, if you're taking notes, a personal love. A personal love. And I, I really want you to to focus in with me this morning. I promise you that the, the, the things that I want to share with you are, are very heavy on my heart, and I believe that they'll be helpful if we will just apply them. Letter A, a personal love. In our passage, the Bible says this, love the Lord thy God. This implies a personal relationship. It is a personal love. Love the Lord thy God. It's personal. This brings us to the question then that we must answer. How do we love God personally? How do we make our love personal with God? It's amazing to me, and I, and I want to be cautious here, but it's amazing to me that we have no problem in many cases expressing our love to our loved ones, to our family, to people people around us, even people that we have just met, and we begin to share love with them, but yet we do not know how to love God. We say we love God, we say we have a relationship with him, but, but then there's nothing that we are doing to work at that relationship. We're not showing any strides of, uh, of making any progress in loving God because what's happened is, is that it's not a thy God thing anymore. We are now associating with God, with, with him. he's given me things, that's great, but if he's bringing temptations and trials in my life, then I'm just going to push that whole thing away. Listen, God is personal to each one of us and he loves each one of us in a personal way so how do we love God personally by first of all by realizing his love by realizing his love realizing the love that he has for me God listen to me God loves us on purpose let me say that again God loves us on purpose it is not by accident, or, 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 or as a matter of fact, he initiates the love. This is a great thought. Jesus Christ, God himself, he loves us on purpose. As a matter of fact, he initiates that love. The Bible says in 1 John chapter number 4, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He, hath, uh, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Look at verse 19 said, We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. 
He initiated the love. I mean, you and I weren't even born when Jesus Christ went to the cross on Calvary. And I believe with all my heart, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. I was there. He loved me. He initiates that love. I read a story once about a pastor uh, and the process of adoption of their child. This is a great uh, uh, story. Uh, uh, He said this, my wife and I waited 15 years for a child that never came by the natural way. However, we were approached one day with a lead of a newborn not yet born. I remember standing, the pastor said, in front of the judge on our day of adoption. He pointed his finger and he asked me this question. Is anyone coercing you to adopt this little boy? After, he had, after we had assured him that we were doing so out of love for our son, he made this statement. If no one's coercing you to love him, then here's what we must do. From today on, he is your son. He may disappoint you, even grieve you, but he is your son. Everything you own one day will be his, and he will bear your name. Then he looked to the clerk and gave this command. So order a change in this child's birth certificate. And may it reflect that these are the parents of this child. When I read that story, it was then that I realized that my heavenly father loved me so much. That without coercion, he loved me. And gave his all to me. On that day he changed my name. And I gladly bear his name. And his image. (laughs) I am adopted into the family of God. There was no one coercing Jesus to go to that cross. He went on his own and he died and he was buried and he rose again. And now he's sitting on the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he's there with his loving arms waiting for you to run to him so that he can save you by his grace. Can I tell you today that when that, that happens, when that moment happens, he changes my name. I gladly bear his name and his image. What an amazing thought. Greater love hath no man, John said, than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Max Lucado said it this way, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk, he will listen. What a great thought. God loves me. Look at me this morning, please. I I really want you to get this. You say, Pastor, I'm not lovable. You say, Pastor, you don't know my past. You don't know the the, the struggles. You don't know the things that my parents have said to me. You don't know the awful things that other people have said to me and how people uh, uh, abuse me with their words or maybe their actions. You say, Pastor, nobody can possibly love me. Listen to me this morning. God loves you. God loves you. And you are, you are great in his sight. The Bible says that, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are his works. 
We want to talk about creation and we want to talk about all the wonderful things in nature that God created. And we want to travel and go see them and, and, and look at the wonders of the world. Listen, look in the mirror. There's the greatest wonder in the world. God created you. He loves you just the way you are. And reading the story behind the old hymn, Oh, love that wilt not let me go, is the story of George Matheson. This is a, uh, a, a heartbreaking but an awe-inspiring story. George Matheson was only 15 when he was told he was losing what little poor eyesight he had. Not to be denied, Matheson continued straightway with his plans to enroll in the University of Glasgow. And this determination led him to graduating the University of Glasgow at the age of 19. What an amazing accomplishment. Then life changed. His spirit collapsed when his fiancée, unwilling to be married to a blind man, broke their engagement and returned his ring. He never married And the pain of that rejection never totally left him. He was hurt. Years later, he became a well-loved and beloved pastor in Scotland. His sister came to him announcing her engagement. He rejoiced with her, but his mind went back to his own heartache. He consoled himself in thinking of God's love, which is never limited, never conditional, never withdrawn, and never uncertain. And out of this experience, he wrote this hymn, and this is what it says, one of the verses. O love that wilt not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths it flow, may richer, fuller be. Listen, the love of Jesus Christ, he loves you, and it's a personal intimate love not only that by receiving his love by receiving his love we have to we have to take the initiation to to receive it do we we have to initialize it this is a personal decision to receive him between you and god no one else can make this decision for you because it is very personal First John chapter 3 and verse number 23, the Bible says, And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Of course, you know, John chapter number 14, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. You have to receive the love of Jesus Christ. It's just like anything else in life. It has to be received. I can, I can go to the store and I can, I can buy you the most extravagant gift in the world and wrap it up in the most beautiful paper and box and bring it to you and hand it to you. But you realize until you accept that gift, it still belongs to me. You can examine the gift. You can pick it up and shake it. You can guess what's inside of it. You can do all of those things. But until you actually take the gift and open it up and receive it, it's still mine. So it is with salvation. Jesus says, here I am, take me, please, I'm begging you. But until you actually receive him, it's not personal with you. If you have not received him today, this is the greatest and most important decision that you will ever make in your life. Today it can be personal. Today it can be personal. 
It's a personal love. How else do we express our love? By reading his word. By reading his word. But the, the Bible is God's love letter to us. Therefore, we should want to spend time in his word. The Bible says in John chapter 5, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Search the scriptures, know the word of God. Billy Graham said it this way, We are the Bibles the world is reading. We are the creeds the world is needing. We are the sermons the world is heeding. Read the word of God. Know the scriptures. Number two, and I'm going to be quick, a devoted love. A devoted love. It's a personal love and now it's a devoted love. We are to love God with all of our being. In our passage today, Christ breaks down our being into three parts. He breaks down our being into three parts. And over the next few minutes, I want to discuss these three parts because I think that this will, if you've never studied this before, if you've never uh, uh, really understood what it meant to love the Lord thy God uh, with all thy heart, with all thy uh, soul, and with all thy mind, I believe that this could change your love for Jesus Christ. I believe this could change your whole outcome as to how you uh, express love in your life based upon these three uh, uh, parts that God gives to us. Letter A, with our whole heart. We're to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart with our whole heart what does that mean pastor the definition of the heart in this passage of scripture is the totality of the innermost being the totality of the innermost being we say what does that mean pastor it's that part way down deep inside of you that only you know about are you with me this morning if I lost you somewhere okay that, that part inside of you that only you know about. Can I tell you something? We have become very good actors and actresses. We know how to put on the show. We know how to talk the talk. We know how to walk the walk. We know how to uh, uh, make people believe where we're at. But loving the Lord thy God, he says, first of all, to love him with all of your heart. That is the very deepest, most intimate part of your life that literally your husband or your wife or your closest friend doesn't have a clue about. It's that, it's that what's way down inside. It's those thoughts that run across your mind when you're sitting and you're listening and you're understanding the word of God. What is it inside of you? The totality of the innermost of your being that you love God with that won't change it cannot change trust in the Lord the Bible says with what all thine heart you say how do I how do I make this applicable in my life this idea of loving God with all my heart it starts with trust it starts with trust I remember when I was in high school I played high school baseball many of you know that and uh, one year we went off to a camp, and uh, we're out of this camp, and, and uh, they uh, tell us, hey, we're going to practice some in the mornings, we're going to eat lunch, we're going to practice some in the afternoons, we're going to eat dinner. The only two things that sounded good about that was lunch and dinner. And then they said, we're going to, tonight, we're going to have a campfire. I'm like, cool, we're going to blow something up. I like that. Campfire. So we go out. And uh, they said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We, or we all walk out there. There's, I think there's like 30 of us. And we all walk out there. And, and there's the coach. He's sitting on this like little bench that looks like it's from the 1920s. And uh, he's sitting in front of just a bunch of weeds. And he goes, all right, we're going to have a campfire. I said, uh, hey, coach, you ever had a campfire before? I said, uh, I think it takes some wood. He goes, yeah, I know. 
He goes, there's the woods. Yes, sir, there are the woods, but it would be illegal to catch those on fire. He goes, I know, we're going to work together as a team and we're going to build a fire. Okay. So we all get together and we go out. And now we get out into the woods and I said, coach, we don't have any like saws or axes or anything like that. He said, I know. Climb the tree. We're going to get one branch at a time. I said, coach, by the time we're done with all that, we won't have time for the campfire. And he goes, this is what he said to me. He said, there's 30 of you. He goes, I'm certain we'll have time. And I'll never forget There was a young man standing there with us in that group, smallest of us all. And he said, I'll go to the tree. And the coach said this, everybody form a circle around this tree. He said, we're going to lift him up. We lifted him up to the first branch. And he he stood on that branch. It was a huge tree that went out pretty far. And he began to break limbs off of that tree. And he told all of us, All I want you to do is hold your hands out like this around this tree. And that's what we did. He got enough branches to build. It wasn't a big fire, obviously. A small fire. And then he said this. His name was Scott. He said this. Break the last branch, Scott, that you're standing on. We need that one. And I'll never forget that moment. Of all of us, 29, standing around that tree with my coach standing on the outside of us. And he said, when it breaks, guys, he's coming down. And then he looked at Scott and he said, if you really believe in our team, you'll trust them. And I'll never forget, Scott jumped on that that branch and he jumped up in the air and he came down on top of that branch and it broke. And here he came. The problem is, is that the branch came with him. And you know what at that moment we realized? This is what I realized. The branch is not important. Nor if it hits me on the head is it important. What's important is that I catch Scott. Can I tell you something this morning? There's going to be times in your life where it's feel like the forest is coming in on you. The trees are falling all around you. And God is standing there and he says, don't worry about it. Just jump into my arms. I've got everything taken care of. That's what trusting in the Lord with all your heart is. All your heart. The heart is the seat of affection and will. The heart causes us to give ourselves to things good and bad. Someone once said the highest joy of a man comes from cultivating the deepest part of a man, the heart. When the heart is pure, the vision is clear. Jeremiah 29, 13, and you shall seek me and find me. And when you shall search for me with all your heart. There are four ways to get our heart focused on God, and I'm going to go through these very quickly. Uh, first of all is through singing. We did some of that this morning. Getting our heart focused on God through singing. Ephesians chapter 5 says, And be not drunk with wine where it is access, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
I don't know about you, but I, I don't like small places. Anybody like small places? I don't like small places. I had to have a uh, full body MRI one time, and they, wheel, they, they get on this little bed, and they put you in, and, 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 and you do like this, and in you go. And all of a sudden, all this noise starts happening. I'm very claustrophobic. I don't like that at all. There you go. And I thought, how am I going to get through this? And I, my youth pastor, he came and he visited with me before we went and had this little thing done. And this is what he said to me. He goes, you know a lot of songs, don't you? And I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, you know a lot of good songs, like hymns and, 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 and songs that you've heard on the radio and, and, and all. I said, yes, sir. He said, good. He said, sing the whole time. I said, have you heard me sing? He said, no, and neither had the text, but they need Jesus, so just sing. Man, I got in that thing, and I'm crunched all up in there, and all this noise starting to make, and I'm closing my eyes, praying it'll all go away, and I just start singing. I got all done. I came back out. Now, this is what I remember. I remember a time passing so much quicker because I was singing. Sometimes it just takes a song. Not only that, through giving. Our heart can be focused on God, not only through singing, but through giving. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Giving giving it away, just, just asking God to keep blessing because you're going to keep giving. Through our Bible reading, we talked about that a few minutes ago. Psalm chapter 119, thy testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I've inclined my heart to perform thy statues all the way even unto the end. So by singing, by giving, by reading our Bibles, and then fourthly, through serving through serving, getting our heart focused on God by serving. For the love of Christ, the Bible says, constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we are, or excuse me, then we're all dead. The love of Christ constraineth us. A focused heart brings refreshment and renewal to our soul as we seek him with our whole heart. Someone said it this way, the world needs to see Christians burning, not with self-righteous fury at the sliding morals in our country, but with a passion for God. Passion for God. Let her be our whole soul. This might be one that you've never really thought about. We talk about our souls, and we talk about that's where uh, uh, Christ lives is in our souls and all those kind of things. But how can we love the Lord our God with all of our soul? How is that possible? This is our emotions. Now I know that emotions are a sensitive subject. No pun intended. <laughs> Let that take a moment. All right. Uh, we are to love the Lord with our emotions and not allow our emotions to get the best of us. We are all wired with emotions. And, and the truth of the matter is, emotions are very important in Scripture. You read passages of Scripture, you talk about the emotion of fear. Fear is a real thing. Uh, and fear was used in the Word of God. There are many emotions that are used, and anger was an emotion. Even Jesus was angry, but he said not. It was an emotion. We have to be very cautious of our emotions. Psalm chapter 34 and verse number 2, the Bible says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. My emotions now, I want you to get this because I, I, I really want you to, to think about this for a moment. God designed our emotions to be gauges, not guides. 
They're meant to report to you, not dictate you. The pattern of your emotions, now not every caffeine-induced or sleep-deprived one, will give you a reading on where your hope is because they are wired into what you believe and value and how much. That's what your emotions are. Your emotions, listen to me, and I really want you to get this, they are not your guides, they are a gauge. Do not make spontaneous decisions based upon your emotions. We have seen that and will continue to see that all around us where people are making decisions based upon their emotions. And nine times out of ten, these are bad decisions because we are faced with difficult emotions. Someone once said, pleasure is the measure of your treasure because the emotion of pleasure is a gauge that tells you what you love. The pleasure, or pleasure is the measure of your treasure. What you get emotional about. Some of you here today get emotional about maybe the, the loss of a loved one. That's a real emotion. Some of you today, at the very sound of someone's name, you get an emotion inside of you that just builds up with anger. Some of you here today get an emotion when you see a picture of a little boy or a little girl that have been struggling all their life and you just want to give them everything that you have because you understand what that means. That's an emotion. Can I tell you that we have to be very careful about what we allow our emotions to do. And if our emotions or our soul is in tune with God, then we will make the right decision. Emotions are not imperatives, things that you must do. They're not your boss. They're actually indicatives, which are things that you're being told. Literally, your emotions are your reports. They are a report to you about your life. Let us see. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and thirdly, and I'm done, with all our mind. With all of our minds. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? The word renewing in that verse means a renewal, a renovation, like taking a broken down house and restoring it and renovating it. Our mind can be our greatest asset or our worst enemy, depending on what it is fixed upon. We should strive to be devoted with our mind to Christ and not allow anything to pollute our thought process. Loving the Lord with all of our mind. In conclusion today, here's my last thought. You see, Sundays can change your eternity. They can change your eternity because we can get in line with the love of Christ. That personal love that he shows to us that we can now say yes to him. And then it can change us for eternity based upon who, where we are in our lives. Are we loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with everything that's in us? So here's my question today. How is your heart? Is it in love with God? And is it devoted to him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?